Welcome. You are listening to a recording provided for the use of the blind and print impaired. Materials or items read on Airs LA are the copyright property of the original authors and publishers. No unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. I'm Ernesto Sambrano. Today's article is by David Kushner from the May 2022 edition of GQ. Escape to Zoom Island, Part 2. Please note, this is a men's magazine, and as such, may include offensive topics or language. While Hall was building his community in Ponta do Sol, he wasn't the only enterprising nomad on Madeira. A half hour east, at a five-star hotel and resort in Funchal, a different kind of pop-up community for a different kind of traveler took over, and it was nothing like what Hall had in mind. I have my own principles, he says diplomatically. I think what they did was amazing, but it doesn't align with my vision. On a sizzling hot afternoon, I ascend to the panoramic rooftop pool deck of the luxurious Savoy Palace Resort to meet the person responsible for this competing vision, Bogdan Danchik, whom his fellow nomads nicknamed Boggy D. An amiable 32-year-old with his blonde hair and a man bun, Danchuk is dressed in jeans and a denim button-up. He waves like the rock star he is here to the hotel employees passing by. I miss this place, he says with a sigh. Just as Hall led the nomads in Pata du Sol, Danchuk convened his own crew here. Their visions, though, couldn't be more different. While Hall worked with a small village to keep things local and communal, Danchuk went corporate and glossy, scoring a deal for him and 168 of his nomadic friends to move into this deluxe resort at a time when COVID numbers were surging. For six months, the hotel was theirs to enjoy, and they lived a kind of decadent, dystopian fantasy filled with booze, revelry, and cryptocurrency. I still can't believe it happened, he tells me wistfully, as he gazes over the infinity pool to the ocean below. It was the time of our lives. For Danchuk, who grew up so poor in Ukraine he sometimes only had onions and a bit of bread for dinner, it was like nothing he had ever dreamed of. After his family moved to Israel, he became an enterprising kid, a popular class president who vowed to never be poor again. Danchuk created his own digital marketing firm at 18 and hit the road as a nomad a year later. Since then, he's been in over 36 countries, from the U.S. to Vietnam, spending a few months in one spot before moving on. But there was one location where he wanted to stay. Madeira. I was amazed to see this place, which has every single thing you could imagine you wanted out of life, he says. It's like a big city feeling while being surrounded by nature. There was just one drawback. The old, stodgy tourists. You had people from like 70 to death, he says with a laugh. It was the only negative about this place for nomads, but it has everything to entice those people to come. After the pandemic hit and he heard about Digital Nomads Madeira, he came up with a competing plan. He wanted to find a hotel where he and other nomads could find refuge. A hotel, he reasoned, could offer a collegiate, dorm-like experience, only with grown-up amenities. You have access to bars, restaurants, socializing, he says. You're basically flatmates in a large building. Danchuk emailed hotels around the island, pitching a nomad package. For the hell of it, he included the Savoy Signature Group which owns the Savoy Palace, and which he considered the most extravagant hotel on the island. Originally, the plan was for the nomads to move into another Savoy hotel in Calheta, on the island's west coast. But then, with the pandemic wearing on, the Savoy contacted him. The other Savoy signature hotels would be staying closed due to the lack of tourism, but the Savoy Palace, the chain's flagship hotel, would remain open. Danchuk's nomads could help them keep the lights on. The Savoy Palace was theirs. I couldn't believe it. It was a crazy development, Danchuk says, but part of me was also a little bit scared. 
With over 100 millennial nomads shacked up in a five-star hotel during a global pandemic, what could go wrong? Danchuk put out the word on various nomad hubs on Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, and Slack. There were no requirements to get into the palace. It would be first come, first serve. But a lot of people wanted in, around a thousand of them for just 168 spots. While Hall's nomad village Ponta du Sol attracted a younger, less established crowd drawn to its apartment living in small-town feel, Danchuk's luxury offering lured what he describes as an older, more entrepreneurial group of telehealth doctors, crypto traders, and startup founders. One of the first to arrive, last February, was Laura Lee Dijon, a fashionable and fun-loving 33-year-old from the Philippines. Dijon was working as an IT project manager for an automotive company in Frankfurt, Germany, when the pandemic hit. When she walked into the Savoy's chandeliered and gilded reception hall, she couldn't believe it, she tells me. I was like, wow, okay, this is impressive. And yet it felt so surreal to see it so abandoned, other than a few staff members waiting to greet her. Practically nobody was there, she tells me over Zoom from her apartment in Germany in November. Timu Tylakanen, a 32-year-old co-founder of an IT consulting business in Finland, and his wife Sophia Seeger, a software engineer, arrived with the hopes of not only finding refuge from COVID, but also something that often eludes young professionals, new friends. At this age, most of your life is going around your work or your hobbies or whatnot, he says. I don't actually make new friends that often, but we all arrive to be together in this bubble. Because of COVID, that bubble was real. Nomads had to test negative just to get into Madeira, and due to Madeira's strict curfew, the Savoyans, as they called themselves, had to remain within the hotel after hours. Of course, being stuck inside a luxury tower has its perks. The nomads made the Savoy into their own dream dorm. Danchuk describes them as living on room service and hooking up a PlayStation to the TV in the cigar room. They hit the gym, got massages, and downed shots of poncha, the island's sweet and citrusy signature cocktail, at one of the hotel's bars, which Danchuk says they persuaded the hotel to leave open 24-7. The Savoy Palace said that the bars were never open after midnight. Using a Slack channel to organize, they began palling around in groups, going from the breakfast buffet to the palm tree-lined pool and rocky beach. They planned yoga classes, karaoke in the conference rooms, and a self-help ritual called circling, in which they gathered together on the lawn to share thoughts, feelings, and fears. The nomads were designing a new kind of communal living, with room service. It felt like a tight family after maybe two weeks, Dijen says, because every night we would do something. On the weekends we would do something. They became so tight that hookups, she jokes, felt like incest. It was surreal to see this whole thing being born in front of my eyes, Danchuk says. I was pinching myself to see this community thriving under one roof. Gone were the days when someone had to be stuck in their own neighborhood, isolated and alone. With social networks, people could create their own communities anywhere in the world. Now they could actually move into them. Nowadays, you can find groups on Facebook, which you'll feel are your tribe, and you can create your own reality, Danchuk says. The perfect storm of the pandemic, Madeira, and the Savoy proved this life-hacking approach to be viable. It was already coming, Danchuk says, but this was the first time we lived it. With the rest of the planet facing restrictions and isolation, the Savoyans reveled in their strange dystopian paradise. I call it the Madeira magic, Dijon says. People just kept extending their trips or canceling their flights, and the crazier and crazier it got. Much of the craziness was due to the other part of Madeira's magical storm, the boom in cryptocurrency. Throughout the hotel, Danchuk says, were crypto day traders, 
hedge fund managers, and heads of crypto exchanges who bought and sold coins and traded tips on new ones, armed with their laptops and shots of poncha. Danchuk claims that two nomads started their own crypto hedge fund with a $2 million investment from people inside the hotel, and that another made $200,000 on a $2,000 investment. We had people reinvent their whole career based on the advice they got, Danchuk says. One of them was Lucas Braun, who prefers to use a pseudonym to protect his privacy. Braun was a sales manager in Berlin, who went to Madeira on a tennis trip with his friends in late 2020. With just a tennis bag full of clothes, he checked into the Savoy and fell deep into the crypto scene. Before long, he was spending his days trading and expanding his consciousness. When you get into crypto, you've got to open yourself up to new ideas, new domains, Braun says, who compared trading crypto to taking psychedelics, as some in the crypto scene were known to do. Psychedelics are very good to open your mind so that you make connections. You don't question so much. You actually get it. Eventually, he quit his day job. It was a life-changing moment, he says. It opened me up completely. I gave away my old thought patterns about needing to do things a certain way. He wound up staying for a year. With the money flowing and the sun shining, the inhabitants of the crypto hotel, as the Savoy was nicknamed, went on yacht trips and taxi rides, and had lavish dinners of fresh sea bream and Madeira wine. One night, Danchuk says, the Savoy CEO strolled through the lobby while nomads played Wonderwall on guitar. They held ecstatic dance parties, shimmying in complete darkness in rooms cleared of furniture, and saw the sunrise during parties on the beach. But the costs of their lifestyle fell on Danchuk, who said he fielded all the complaints from the hotel, including a smashed TV. I would wake up to a hundred WhatsApp messages per day, he says. As more tourists returned to the hotel, he claims he was told to keep a closer eye on his Savoyans, including the scruffy nomad padding down the halls and striking footwear. Can you tell him he cannot walk around the five-star hotel in wolf slippers? He says the hotel told him. Ultimately, the thing that killed the pandemic-era party was the pandemic's waning. That's what happened last May when, due to falling COVID case numbers, Madeira's tourism returned. One by one, busloads of silvering retirees began pouring into town again. For the Savoyans, that meant the end of their sweetheart package deals by June and their short-lived fantasy. Unlike Hall's scene in Ponte du Sol, this one was never meant to last. Danchuk witnessed more than a few steely guys burst into tears as they hugged him on their way out the door. Here was this successful career man suddenly finding a community, suddenly doing something together, suddenly having this student exchange dormitory experience, but in a much nicer environment, Danchuk says. It became their new normal. It became their family. It became their life. This magical thing was created and happened. People didn't really want to leave. Dijon was among them. In Frankfurt, I live alone, she says. I do have friends, but I don't see my friends every night. And then, there, all of a sudden, you belong in a community. And even if people are staying just two weeks, you create a certain bond. So every time people would leave, it was like, oh no, it's a little heartbreak each time. When one Savoyan told Sophia Seeger that it had been so easy to lose touch with reality in their bubble, Seeger replied, no, this is actually how it's supposed to be. This is supposed to be normal. Hey man, Arcady Silverman tells me, as he swipes through his iPhone, check out this picture of this apartment I bought. It's a starry night in Ponte du Sol. Silverman, a laid-back and bejeweled 32-year-old Israeli, and a number of other nomads have taken over a clifftop bar for their weekly invite-only party Purple Fridays. The party is named for the spectacular violent and crimson sunset view from the dance floor, which throbs as the ocean washes against the volcanic rocks below. 
As one online event listing explains, the private party is for professional networking, partying, and dancing. Silverman, who describes himself as a retired pro poker player, now manages crypto portfolios and trades NFTs, including the apartment he just bought for about $400 worth of Ethereum. On his phone, he shows me the image of a cartoon living room with a table, chairs, and a window. The digital nomad has bought a digital apartment. Pretty nice, huh? He says. When I visit in October, the island is back and booming. Nightclubs have reopened, and vineyards are booking tastings. And as the rest of the world returns to the office, the dream of what the nomads call a location-independent lifestyle is becoming more real by the day. According to a recent survey from Digital.com, around two-thirds of American businesses have permanently closed some or all of their offices since the start of COVID. Before the pandemic, just under 6% of Americans worked remotely. Now, nearly 25% of the full-time workforce is expected to do so this year. By 2025, an estimated 36.2 million will be working at home, unless they're on the beach, in a yurt, or any other not-a-workplace workplace they can dream up. And those companies stubbornly hoping to lure workers back to their digs as COVID subsides are facing the so-called Great Resignation, with a record 21.6 million workers quitting their jobs from September 2021 to January of this year. At the same time, the sort of digital nomading pioneered on Madeira is continuing to gain popularity. There are nomad books, nomad capitalist, the digital nomad survival guide, and what many call the Bible of the movement, Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week. There are nomad podcasts, Nomadtopia Radio, Nomad on Fire, The Nomadic Executive. There are nomad conventions, nomad dating sites, and a transatlantic nomadic cruise designed to inspire and break down the fundamentals needed to grow an online business while traveling the world, as it advertises. Increasingly, governments like Portugal's are getting on board. In November, the country's parliament approved new labor laws to protect and lure more nomads. Among other things, employers there now face fines for contacting remote workers after hours, except under extenuating circumstances. We consider Portugal one of the best places in the world for these digital nomads and remote workers to choose to live in. The country's Minister of Labor, Solidarity, and Social Security, Ana Mendes Godinho, told the Web Summit Conference in Lisbon in November, we want to attract them to Portugal. For the strange new universe of remote working, the past couple years will go down as the Big Bang. The social experiments on Madeira are already being exported. Dan Chuck is hoping to bring his remote haven hotel model to other places too such as Tokyo, Boston, and Hawaii. Hall continues to oversee the Digital Nomads Madeira program, which still offers the same services to remote workers coming to Ponta do Sol and other villages on the island. He's also trying to bring the Madeira model to other countries. I caught up with him recently by Zoom while he was in Cape Verde, an island chain around a thousand miles south of Madeira, setting up a program there. It's very chill, he tells me with a big grin. White sands, swimming with the turtles, live music everywhere. As nomadic living spreads, the only obstacle to stop someone from joining the tribe is fear. It's just the status quo and the fear keeping people from a nomadic lifestyle, he goes on. Most people don't understand. They say, you're lucky you can do that. I can't because, put excuse here. But I think it's just breaking from the status quo. That's the hard part for most humans. It's very comfortable to be in the status quo. That's why maybe the nomad community is so interesting. It's because everybody in the community had to break the status quo. Everybody had to say, I'm leaving this job. I'm not living here. I'm not buying a house. I'm not getting a dog in the car. 
I am traveling the world instead. That brings us to the end of today's article, Escape to Zoom Island, Part 2. If you want to learn more about ErzLA and the types of programs we offer, follow us by clicking on any of the social media links at the top of our webpages. If you like what you see or hear, please click the like button. This podcast is for the sole use of our blind, low vision, and print-impaired listeners. In and authorized use is prohibited. I'm Ernesto Sambrano, and I'll be back soon with another article. Thanks for listening.